Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. It is important to understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That is because your brand is different. The challenges you face in your life are different. So stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. My Money Making Conversation interviews will encourage you to lead with your gifts and never use age as an excuse when planning your goals. My next guest is Gary Owen. He's one of the top touring comedians today. He's performed and he performs regularly in sold like comedy clubs and arenas around this country. His big break came in 1997 on BET stand up showcase Comic View. Now, as an actor, you've seen him in Think Like a Man movies, Daddy Daycare, Little Man, Ride Along. He is on the show to talk about his comedy career because he's back on tour. COVID. He's back out there now. COVID shut us down for a little bit, but he's back out there. His popular Get Some podcast, and he's starring in a new action thriller movie called Welcome to Sudden Death with Michael Jaw White. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, my man, Gary Owen. How you doing, Gary? What's up, man? Well, we, we, we kind of we kind of popped it up right there, man. The COVID came in and everybody in live event performances shut down. Talk, tell us about that moment when there was a realization that that uh, this pandemic was going to take away a, a portion of your income, and how did you deal with it? Well, it took away a, a huge part of the income there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I understated it, Gary. I understated it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to realize, I, I kind of live my life, and we budget um, yes. like everything around my stand-up money, like, TV and film money is always just like extra to me. Right. When those, when those checks come in, I'm always like, Oh great. Extra money. Mm -hmm. But as far as my day to day living, we base it off stand up. So when that came to a halt, um, I was just like, Whoa, okay. I, I thought it was going to be like two, three months. I didn't know we'd still be going. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, that, that was the scary part about it because of the fact that, you know, you know, we're, we're, people have to admit that as a, you're just an entrepreneur. If you're a stand-up comic, you're successful. You're a, a small business. You're a walking, talking small business. You just happen to be going on stage performing. And when that, when when the COVID hit me, I, I, I admit I was I couldn't really grasp how I would go out in public. I had my Perel. I had my I had my wipes. I had my mask. You know, I had some some some, some tissues, and I didn't know I had my. I even had plastic gloves. How did that affect you? You know, not just from a comedic standpoint, just from a real life standpoint. You have your your family to deal with, and your and your and your professional life being shut down. Now you're at home. How did that all play out, Gary? Well, I mean, a couple of things I did. I called everyone that I know um, that's healthier than me, which is uh, Romney Malco, who isn't think like a man, who's probably the healthiest man I've ever met. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I swear to God. That guy's 75 years old and looks 30. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're not lying now. That's my favorite, man. He's one of my favorite people. Yeah, and I, I called him. I said, Romney, what should I be taking like to boost my immune system? Mm-hmm. Just in case I caught it, or and if I did catch it, I'd be equipped to deal with it. Um, so I called him. I called a couple of doctors that I know. I just called everyone healthier than me to find mm-hmm. out what I should be taking uh, in case I caught it. And then, you know, I, I, I'm going back to what you said earlier, how um, when the COVID hit, how did I deal with it? One thing I did that I, w- I would encourage any comic to do is I really amped up my YouTube and Facebook videos because, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, once you get a thousand subscribers, you can get monetized on YouTube. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And so I actually hired a company 
to take all my old jokes because I own all my my comedy specials. There you go. I did it myself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, cut these up, put them on YouTube, and it kind of supplemented my income. I mean, it wasn't as much as stand up, but it was more money than I had had in the past off social media. So you, that's money I could have made. I, I made without leaving my house. Now let me ask you this. So, so, and every time a lot of people don't know this. Every time you, when you have subscribers, and every time you upload a video, it notifies your current subscribers, and that's how you get more subscribers. And so, did you, yeah. did you just like, uh, you know, because a lot of people don't understand that social media really is, a, is, is a, is a blessing. And this is what you said. Look, hey man, I own my material. I, I copyright this stuff. Let me go on YouTube and make more money using my material. And that enabled you to see things from a different perspective now that the pandemic is allowing you to go back to work. Aren't you looking at a different financial model? I am. And it's also building your fan base. You're, you're bringing in fans that you didn't have before the pandemic Mm -hmm. because more people are at home watching this stuff. Right. (laughs) And, and now you get back on the road and you know, I've, I got back on the road a few times in the last couple months and with YouTube, Facebook, and the podcast, it's like I'm bringing in new fans that I didn't know I had before the pandemic. Well, now you become what they say, um, multiple streams of income. And that's that's what we all try to achieve. There's not, and you're also yeah. achieving a level where you're not waiting on somebody to give you an opportunity, especially with the podcast and especially with the YouTube channel. So when I when I when I look at what you're doing with your career, Gary, first of all, I'm, I'm proud of you. You know, I always you know I've been backstage watching you perform. I've I've watched you on TV. I've watched at least two of your your comedy special. You know, you built a brand and you built a brand as a white guy in a black with a black audience. How did all that start? You know, because I, I did stand up. I started out performing in front of an all white audience and then Def Jam hit in 92. And suddenly I saw a black audience out there and I shifted my gear. And I went over there and said, this is a bigger opportunity. This pays a bigger check. I'll, I'm going to live my dream through this. And then I became a talent manager and the rest is history. So how did you start yeah. out your, your stand up career and your focal point? Well, I, I always knew I wanted to be a stand-up. I just didn't know how do you do it. You know, you grew up in a small town in Ohio. I'm like, how do I, how do you even start? Because even when I was a teenager, I would, we had a local comedy club. We had a funny bone in Cincinnati that right. Ray Combs used to own. He used to be the host of Family Feud. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, I'd always sit outside and listen to the comics. I was too young to get in, but I'd sit at the front door. And it was funny because I actually got cool with the door guy there. And he started to be like, Hey, uh, I mean, you always hanging out here. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a comedian. <laughs> I had never been on stage yet. I was telling him, yeah, I'm a comedian. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, he started to let me sit in the back. He had his own little back high top table and me and this guy would sit in the back and we'd watch standups come in and literally never being on stage. I'd be in the back critiquing standups going, Oh, I'm better than him. Yes. Oh yeah, I'm funny. Yes, him. yes. But yes. then there'd be some comics. I'm like, oh, that guy's pretty good. <laughs> I know. It, isn't that funny? I never thought of that. I never thought of that. That that's that's crazy. It it, it really does then, become um, a science. It's, that's that's important that you say that because you get to see some people that you know the musical act. You get to see all of them, and that was the beauty of your education, being able to sit back and see all these different levels. Yeah. And then I joined the military after high school. And the only reason I joined the military is I always say I, I didn't know, I didn't know where I exactly wanted to go. I just know I didn't want to be. 
I didn't want to be stuck in that trailer park in that small town the rest of my life. Right. So the, the, the Navy was an opportunity to basically get an airline ticket and fly me right. <laughs> to another part of the country. <laughs> right. I got to meet different types of people. And, but the whole goal, and this sounds crazy, from, like, I can remember junior high was to be a stand-up. And I thought, I thought you had to start in L.A., I didn't know you could start doing stand-up in any city you live in. Right. I thought you had to start in L.A. I also thought the whole state of California was Los Angeles. Right. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at David Lee Ross' video, I wish y'all could be California girls. I'm like, well, that's the whole state. <laughs> I, I didn't it. know there was a Fresno it. and a Bakersfield. Right. Let alone San <laughs> like, Diego. What? Okay, well, you had to fly. San Diego. <laughs> Well, that's where I got stationed. Mm -hmm. I finally got stationed after two years in San Diego. And my first day there, I got in the phone book and I started looking up comedy club. And it was funny. I called this place called the Comic Castle. And I said, hey, man, what's up? I get in the phone book. I go, you got open mic? He said, let me check. And he goes, he gets off the phone. He comes back. He goes, I can't find him. I said, what do you mean I can't find him? It was a comic book store. I thought I was calling a comic club. This dude was looking for a superhero named Open Mike. I said, no. I said, man. I'm you trying so hard. You trying so hard. You, you, this is funny, man. Continue, continue, man. This is funny. I'm glad I talked to you about this stuff. Come on, man. Come on. But the, the dude was so helpful at the comic book store. He goes, nah, man. We're a comic book store, but here's the phone number to the comedy store in La Jolla. It's another comedy club. So I went and I, I signed up for open mic after about a month. I finally got on. And in my mind, that was it. I'm about, I'm about to be a star. My first open mic. I'm like, I've waited for this. I'm ready for this. I think I got, I got, are you still suit. in the military? Are you, are you out? Are you still, still in the military? Oh yeah. I'm still in the Navy. Okay. I'm still in the Navy. <laughs> and I'm like, cause open mic nights was Sunday night at the comedy store. Mm -hmm. And I went up there and I got on stage. It was probably midnight, one in the morning. There's like 10 people in the audience, but there's like 20 comics in the back of the room. So the comics were heckling me. And I was like, you know, when you open mic, I got this five minutes. I don't have anything else. Right. I can't get out of it. <laughs> so I told the, the comics in the back, I go, hey, uh, why don't you guys keep heckling? Because I'm 19 and I had a beer in my hand. I said, I've been drinking in this club all night. Why don't I call the cops and shut this place down? <laughs> they threw me out so fast. <laughs> Yo, they, oh my God. I, I ain't like it was like out of a movie. The oh. the, the <laughs> power went out on the mic. Some bouncer came up and grabbed me by the back of my shirt and threw me like I did a front roll in front of the comedy store. And the the guy stood up and go, "Don't ever come back!" Oh my God! Oh <laughs> my like, God! Oh great! So I I go to my ship the next day. And I'm telling people about the night before and like you, everybody's laughing. And a couple brothers um, that I was stationed with, they said, Joe G, you can go here, here and here. They told me about all the quote unquote hood, hood spots, black spots that they have comedy shows. So that's really why I started doing all the, the, the quote unquote black comedy is because it was an, I could get on stage. I could right. get on stage at the mainstream room. Right. And then fast forward. I started trying to go to LA now. So now I'm, I'm driving up to LA all the time from San Diego and the same thing happened. I went to the comedy store. I waited in line three, four hours, three different times to be a paid regular at the comedy store. And I finally got the showcase from Mitzi Shore 
and I didn't get picked. So I was just like, it's whatever. And, but at, I, um, I got to meet Guy Tory, and then Guy, you know, Guy got me on a Fat Tuesday. That's right, and then Fat Tuesday. Again, mm-hmm. all, all the black comics started saying, hey, man, you can come here, here, here. So I started doing all the black nights in mm-hmm. Hollywood. Right. And that's basically what led to everything. And then I got on BET, became the host, and then the rest is kind of history. Well, you know, it is really interesting just hearing that story because, like I said, you just took advantage of the opportunities that were presented to you. OK. And uh, and and but more importantly, you took advantage of that. You were not you did not see an opportunity to say, well, well, you know, I'm still trying to get over here to be successful. I'm going to be successful where I'm allowed the opportunity to be successful. When, did, when you got on BET, you became the host. Was that, was that how much did that change your touring money, as they say, your ability to be booked? Well, here's what's crazy. When I, people that remember the old comic few days, it was a contest. You know, I remember, you know, I remember. (laughs) Yeah, I know you remember, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it was a contest. And so the first year I did it, I just, you know, they filmed the whole season in a week. Right. They do like three or five, three or five episodes every day, Monday through Friday. So the whole season was done in a week. Mm -hmm. So I was still active duty military. I was still in the Navy. I took a week's leave, drove up to LA and recorded my whole season. Right there. You kidding? So now, so you still in the navy? On, oh, you're in the navy. Oh my god! And you recorded BET's Comic View. Yeah. Here's where it gets crazy. I'm still active duty. Uh, I uh, I go up to LA, film Comic View, come back to my base. So now I start to air on TV. I'm a cop in the navy. I'm master arms. So we on the gate waving cars in. Dude, I'm on the gate waving cars in, and some of the brothers is like, hey, man, didn't I see you on TV last night? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sitting there, and then, um, and BET doesn't know I'm in the Navy, and the Navy itself doesn't really know I'm, you know, doing this stand up thing. And Curtis Gasson, who was the head of BET at the time, absolutely, Mm -hmm. called me and said, hey, well, his assistant called me and said, Curtis wants to meet with you. I drive up to L.A., and he, Curtis goes, we want to make you the host. And I was like, whoa. So I'm like, whoa, I had to go back to my base, and I still had six months left on my enlistment. And I was like, um, I got to get out early. I got offered a TV show. And literally, they were like, we've heard of some lies, but this one's a great one. <laughs> and so basically, long story short is um, BT wasn't – they weren't – going to start filming for another three months right. comic you right i had six months left on my enlistment so my command worked with me and they they i finished out that three months working and then i drove up to la and that's when i just moved up there so there you know when you say tour money there really wasn't tour money i wasn't on the road i was basically just san diego going up you know four or five times a week wow and then i get out of the navy I immediately go into hosting BET. Right. And um, now I'm on the road as a stand-up. It was like, it was crazy. I didn't have the the, the years of being on the road, uh, you know, opening up for people for no money. I, didn't, I don't have that story. But my grind is was driving to L.A. three, four times a week out of San Diego. Like, I get off work at four in the Navy, drive up to L.A. for like a 10 o'clock spot at the Comedy Act Theater. And then drive right back because I got to be at work at six in the morning. Right. So your grand so was, was like, your grand was serving your our country. You know that, that was your grand. Serve my country. Right. And you know 
driving four hours, two hours up, two hours back, four or five days a week in my S10 pickup, um, just so I could get five, ten minutes on stage because I felt like, you know, I was getting my name out there. I was meeting people. I was just so excited to meet people I saw on TV. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, it's really, like, it's really, really cool. Because first of all, you know, I, 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 my laughter is natural because of the fact you're just naturally funny. I'm just hearing you talk and you just naturally just, you know, it, I always tell people when you become a, a, a real comic, you just know how to say certain words that will generate a laugh. You just know, you know, two plus two is four. And and yeah. that, that ability to be just naturally funny has always paved your way to the next opportunity. Now, we say you're on the road now, you're getting popular, people showing up to see Gary. How did that feel, Gary? Uh, I, you know what? I always, I always knew it was going to happen. And it sounds cocky. But there was never any doubt. It was like, I would, I would sit in class in like high school. Yes. And literally, this sounds so cocky. I would look around like, you guys don't know who's in your class? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting right here. (laughs) Take pictures. Get my autograph. Don't be sad if you don't do it. That's funny. I would tell girls, you should date me. I'm going to make it. You should. You know, and, this is why this is why I, I found this so incredible when I talk to people who get it early on. So you got it. You know, I went to college, took me seven years to graduate. Then I worked, worked for IBM and then I started doing stand up. You know, I wasted seven valuable years of when I could have just at 18 knew this is what I wanted to do. You know, followed my natural instinct, followed my blessings, and went and did it. And that's why when I look at when I listen to your story, it's all it's so one it's so single focus. Okay, I got to get out of Ohio. I, I'm gonna use the military. You said it. I'm gonna use the military to get out of here. Take me to a city that I can do stand up. Once you realize you can do stand up anywhere, then guess what? You pursue that opportunity. Then you say, I got to get to yeah. L.A. I, okay, I'm gonna drive. I'm not gonna let somebody stop. I'm not gonna party. I'm not gonna be dating. I gotta I gotta fulfill my dream. You always had a single Single-minded focus, man. That that's 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 a passion that is still carrying through today for you, correct? Oh, without question. Because you never reach your goals. I always say, like, if you sell ten thousand tickets, you want to sell eleven thousand next time, right? Um, you win an Oscar, you want to win another Oscar. You get in a movie, you want to do another movie. It, you never reach your goals. The the the, the goals change. You know, because you first get in the business, you just want to be on the road as a headliner, and then you want to sell tickets, and then you want to get the door deals, and then you want to move to theaters. Right. And it always changes, but, you know, you you never reach your goal. <laughs> I guess my goal would be to sell out Earth. Right. I don't know if that's <laughs> well, possible. Well, you get past COVID, you get there, my brother. Now, let's, 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 talk, about, let's talk about these specials now, because, you know, doing a special is what you want to do. You want to get that special. But then again, it takes a whole lot of your key material when you do it because you got to uh-huh. get your special you get it then you got to get on the road to take advantage of all that extra exposure to get those sellouts and those door deals how do you write your material i don't really write my jokes down i mean i i'll get in my phone and my notes i'll have like a word mm-hmm. but i don't really write my jokes down it's just i'm on the road so much that uh they're just always in my brain. Right. But I don't really write my jokes down. It's, and it, you know, I just think your comedy kind of grows with you, uh, with 
you know, I used to talk about Dayton, then I got married, and then my right. kids were young, and now they're teenagers, now they just graduated. It's just, I think it's just, I just really talk about my life a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. Right, you do. And just do. I see. Uh, uh, as, as they say, a whole lot. I do know Gary. Oh, I know Gary. Reality yeah. show, Gary. You you talk about so much. You made it a TV show. That's how much you talk about. It. You, you are an open book. Facts. You're an open book. Open yeah. book. Yeah. Right. Now you know. Let's talk, let's get into the movies now because I know you have the movie. We welcome to Southern Death with uh, Michael Jai Universal yeah. 1440 Entertainment is the production of Universal Home Entertainment. Now go back in our relationship. We think like a man. Think like a man too. I remember Will Packer. We were sitting down. Steve Harvey and I, and we was going through the casting, and then uh, and your name popped up. It was not even a question that that you. Oh really? No, what you you just. It was just you was just perfectly made for the movie, and you um oh, now you were just seriously you were perfectly made for the movie, and and when it became a uh, instant hit, how did that affect your touring dollars? The first Think Like a Man movie, Gary. Well, that that was that was a time in my career. It was like the perfect storm. My my career, I, I it's gone in like three segments. It was like I got the hosting job on BET, mm-hmm. and then. And then I, you know, I had a couple specials come out and, you know, but at, when Think Like a Man came out in 2012 and we recorded it in 2011, um, my career was kind of on a hamster wheel. I was doing fine, mm-hmm. but it, it wasn't really going anywhere. The money was the same. You know, I, right. I, I kind of knew when I went into a city how much money I was pulling out. Right. And then um, I knew how many tickets I would sell. And it was like this, it's crazy how this, I would say from 2010 to 2013, it was a huge jump in my career. There was three things that happened. One, uh, Mike Epps had this uh, comedy show called Live from the Nokia, and he asked me to be on it, and I got on it, and I said, uh, I just had a feeling um, that set was gonna do something for me. I don't know why, mm-hmm. and it did. And then, then the next year, um, Will Packer called, no, six months after I recorded it, Will Packer called me and was like, yo, I got this movie, G, um, he's this <laughs> white guy that can hang out with black guys, but not act black right, and, right. And, and really be able to give and take, like give them shit and then they, they give and take. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Right. And then, um, <laughs> and then like, and then I did another special and then it just all, that was a big jump in my career as far as like tickets going up and people recognizing me and getting more opportunities like in front of the camera. Yeah. I always say Will Packer, especially going to bat for me and you guys and the think like a man franchise, it just came at a time in my career where it just went, pew. you know, the IRS was happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to just tell you, you know, you know, like I said, you know, you have to be ready for those moments. Gary and you was ready for those moments and that that's why I, that's why I appreciate the storytelling that you're doing and doing this interview everything is like uh, so fresh and so vivid in your mind because you still you live in your what you wanted to do all your life and, and so it's not even like a another thought you know I didn't want to be a scientist you know I, I was in the Navy but that wasn't a career move for me Okay, that wasn't that was just a an opportunity to get to my dream, and I think that's real impressive. And and when I when I look at the movie that I I, I saw, Welcome to Southern Death with Michael Jawai. Okay, now you you're the comedy relief in this movie. Okay, 
So when people yeah. tell you that and you're given a script, what runs through your mind? Is there additional pressure that you, because, you know, it's a serious, you know, terrorist-driven movie where this basketball arena and the, the owner of the arena is captured and people are being bludgeoned and killed backstage and nobody knows about it. Out of all this, you got to be funny. Is that pressure? Yeah. <laughs> well, let me tell you what's crazy about this whole movie and how I got it. Okay. And you always hear the notion there's no small parts right. um, in this business. Oh, well, I'm just telling you something, Gary. So, Your whole career on this interview been crazy. So you can use the word crazy, but it really kind of like Kind of like it's the exclamation mark of everything that happened in your life. My thing about you is that when you give an opportunity to do, you go for it one hundred percent. That's what I give you, and I give you credit for that, man. That's uh, following your passion with, with with credibility and and and, and an absolute focus. You're amazing, dude. I got to give you love on that one, brother. Yeah, appreciate it. But this is how this is how Welcome to Sun Death came about for me. I did a movie called Undercover Brother Two. And yes, Michael yes, White was I, I saw that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's on Netflix now. Absolutely. And me and Michael Jai White, we only had one day together shooting, like one day. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have any lines. I just, ha I just had to give Mike a face in the movie, and he kept cracking while we were filming. He kept going, I can't look at this guy without laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we, you know, met, small talk, nothing crazy. All of a sudden, he DMs me uh, like four or five months later and said, hey, man, I'm getting ready to do this movie. Um, can I send you the script or can you call me to discuss it? So I called him and he was he pitches the movie to me and he goes, dude, I really I really want you on this movie. And here I am. I'm like, OK, 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 I, dude, OK. okay. He, he calling you telling you he really wants you on this movie. Right. Michael J. White is. Okay, cool. So and, and what, what point, type of attitude do you have, Gary? You kind of like, is he kidding me? I jumped through this. Oh, no, you know, Mike. Mike ain't wanted to BS. Mike ain't wanted to BS. You know, and, and I'm glad it was on the phone because you can't say no to Mike in person, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> He's intimidating, dude. But, but I knew I was going to, I didn't have to read the script. He goes, I'm going to say this script and let me know if you want to do it. I already knew I was going to say yes. Right. I right. already knew it. Mm hmm. Um, so I read it, and then, like I said, there wasn't a lot of funny parts in it like that. And um, he just said, you know, I just want you to be you, make it yours. I called, I talked to the director. We had lunch. He gave me, you know, he gave me his blessing. Like, dude, make it yours. Make it funny. We'll do, we'll do a take according to the script, but we're going to do takes where you can just do what you want. Right. And the cool part about this movie is every day – you sit in the makeup trailer and usually when you're in the makeup trailer, it's early, you know, your energy's low and you're just trying to, you know, you're kind of reading the script by yourself. Every time me and Michael had a scene together, which most of our scenes were together. Cause it's like a, it's like a buddy. It's like a rush out. It is. It is. And, um, and he always would like sit back and we read lines together and we go over the scene. And so by the time we went to shoot and block, we had our own version and give all credit to Dallas Jackson, the director. He was like, yeah, let's do it. And even Mike said, he goes, I'm telling him, I go, I go, Hey, I thanked him. Like, dude, thanks for, um, thanks for giving me some leeway and, and doing this. And he goes, he goes, nah, he goes, I'm just happy. I can, I'm giving you suggestions on jokes and you're using them. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> that's that's so beautiful. It, it was crazy. Cause in Mike's mind, he was like, yo, I can't believe Gary Owen just used one of my jokes. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but it That's was, what I'm saying. It was, it was his movie. So I was yeah. like, yeah, let me, I'll, 
I like to be collaborative. So I was like, yeah, you, you know, the character and everything. So it was just, it was so fun work with him and, and, you know, to, to just to be wanted like that. I never had that experience to be a lead. I mean, yeah, I think like a man was great, but that was such a big ensemble. And there were so many good people, but just the fact that out of everyone in the business, Mike was like, yo, I want Gary. And he really fought for me to be in the movie. Well, you know, and it, let, let everybody know. First of all, it's a really good movie, and you're very funny, and Michael's very athletic, and he kicks butt. I'm trying to figure out how this guy is kill, kicking butt, looking the way he's looking at his age. But he looks amazing, <laughs> and he looks very limber, as they say. But he really is a star role for you in this because of the fact that you're more than just a com comedy relief. They come to you in strategic moments in the movie to move the story along. And that's, that's, that's when it becomes... I've, they've really given me an opportunity because if you blow that move the story alone part or doesn't have credibility, then guess what? The story doesn't flow. And the story does flow. It's a really, really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Well, it's coming out on uh, September 29th, uh, available on uh, digital and uh, DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, Welcome to Southern Death. Gear on. Hey, man. And Netflix. And Netflix as well. Uh, uh, you know, Dallas Jackson's director, starring my man, Michael John White. Uh, Gary, thank you for the time, man. This is really, uh, hopefully you don't mind coming back on the show again. I, first time I've talked to you in person. I've seen you and we met each other many times to the side. I shook hand, adapt. But you're really special, man. And I really respect what you've accomplished and will accomplish in this business. And keep winning. Anytime you want to promote anything, your podcast. I got a million social media followers. I got a, a, a fan email fan list of every Wednesday. I send out like 90,000 and social media I mean fan club followers I'll promote you brother t-shirts face masks appreciate whatever it. you got when you come to town let me nice. know okay I appreciate thank you thank you man thank you Gary right, thank you man thank all you for right. having me all, all right. right hi this Bye. is Rashad McDonald if you want to listen to any Money Making Conversation interviews please go to moneymakingconversation.com I am Rashad McDonald I am your host thank you Bye.